The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Hello, I'm David Kermode. Welcome to The Drinking Hour from Food FM, episode 33. And this week it's a special edition dedicated to Asian spirits. Whether it's shochu or baijiu, the West has woken up to these wonders of the East. We'll find out why, and of course, we'll offer you some medal-winning recommendations from the IWSC for you to try. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. They are the talk of the spirits world, taking it by storm in less than a decade. Yet how much do we really know about Asian spirits like shochu and baijiu? There may be similarities in the production process, a few at least, but the ingredients are certainly very different, rooted in the respective cultures of the countries from which they come. So who better to guide us through the world of Asian spirits than Anthony Moss, Dip WSET, MW, the Qualifications Director at the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust here in London, and an IWSC judge as well, as is Hannah Lanfear, spirits educator and founder of The Mixing Class. And from Japan, we're joined by Shuro Kawano, PR section manager at Hamada Shuzo Distillery. Anthony, Hannah, Shuro, welcome to The Drinking Hour. Thank you very Hello. much. Look forward Thank to you. it. Thank you. Anthony, at first, you're a master of wine, as I mentioned there. How did you master your command of Asian spirits? What inspired it? My immersion in Asian spirits actually had a, a, a boost from having the opportunity to develop the sake qualifications for the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. So from about 2013, I, I had a, a good few opportunities to uh, travel to Japan and see how sake uh, was made in, in quite a lot of detail. Uh, and on one of those trips, um, with the uh, help of uh, Toshio Uena from um, LA Mutual Trading, I had a chance to visit distilleries in the south and I'd, I'd just come out of my NW studies and was full of the the, the, the way of asking impertinent questions whenever I uh, went to a, a production facility um, and I was just delighted how open the distilleries were answering all of my questions about ingredient preparation, distillation, all of the technical things uh, and that was really the, the route in for me. And what about you, Hannah? How did you fall for the charms of Asian spirits? Yeah, so I think the first time that I would have encountered Baijo would have been through a friend of mine, Paul Matthew, who is someone that I uh, used to work with long ago and coincidentally has the bar that's beneath the WSET site in Bermondsey. And he's been living in Beijing and brought back um, a very sort of luxuriant, <clears throat> strong aroma Baijo, which of course absolutely blew my mind. And um, probably getting closer to Baijo would have been through teaching the WSET. Uh, we held this fantastic tasting that Anthony would certainly have been a part of organizing while we tasted all 13 types, I think it was, Anthony. That's and right, um, yes. yeah, it was really fun, wasn't it? And then, and, and really eye opening. Uh, on the other hand, with Soshi, uh, my first encounter would have been um, consulting on a Japanese restaurant. And I had been trying to, you know, devise cocktails around um, this wonderful spirit. OK, so uh, is uh, when I talked in the intro about this sort of explosion in interest 
uh, in Asian spirits. Um, Hannah, is that fair? I mean, is that, to, to me, it feels quite new in this country. Yeah, I'm, I mean, rightly so, we're starting to turn our attention to what's been this hidden giant, really. I mean, the consumption of uh, baiju is absolutely unreal. And um, for many Western consumers, they've probably never heard of it before. Um, so it's, you know, it's a very interesting time. I, I think for social, social in particular, um, there's a real opportunity to start incorporating it into our drinking culture more and more. And um, certainly exploring Baijiu is a, a fascinating thing to do. So, yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad I haven't uh, exaggerated that then. Um, Anthony, um, from the education perspective, have you seen a, a big increase uh, in interest uh, where you're sitting at the WSET? Uh, well, absolutely. From my perspective, uh, when we developed the uh, Level 3 or Level three award in spirits, which was launched uh, just a couple of years ago, just in time for the uh, interruption by the um, by by COVID, unfortunately, but is now going well. Um, the research that we did about what needed to be in the syllabus, um, there was there was such a strong feeling that people were interested in learning about all all three uh, categories of, of Asian spirits, so Korean soju as well as Japanese shochu and and Chinese baijiu. That, that it was a kind of a combination of well, we know that these are important. We know that they're completely different to anything that we're familiar with, and we also at that, at that point sort of are struggling to find good quality information uh, on on these products. So that that was a very useful opportunity for for WCT uh, to to fill that gap, um, and and. A, a very useful opportunity for me to spend some time researching uh, and writing the chapters for the Level 3 book. Do you find, uh, from an education perspective, that the people that you're uh, teaching, the people that are going through your programme, are tending to start from scratch, as I would be with Asian spirits, or are you dealing with people who have some experience already? When I've taught those classes, most people have heard of the categories they know they 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 exist because they they've maybe studied a, a, a lower level a level two award in in spirits and and perhaps have been introduced to the the overall shape of the global spirits market so they they, they would be aware that there are some categories that are enormous in size but almost entirely limited in, in their consumption to the um the country where they're made so they, they often know what they are but um i have found that in most cases it's the students first encounter I, I, it's either their first encounter with the product at all, or in some cases they've had it, but they didn't really understand it. I mean, it's, it's both Baijo and Shochu can have you know, quite wildly different flavours to what they're familiar with. So this could be the first time that they've had the product actually explained to them. And that, that's quite an eye-opening moment when they suddenly think, oh, you know, they go from, well, I'm not sure whether I like this or not, to I understand it and I absolutely love it. Wow, that sounds a bit like my relationship with Sherry about 20 years ago, where suddenly this world was opened up before me, uh, a world that I, I hadn't previously understood and I'd made uh, quite significant assumptions about, actually. And then, wow, off I went, uh, discovering this, this wonderful world. Hannah, uh, do you find, uh, with the work you're doing at the mixing class, uh, that you're dealing uh, with people who are sort of enthusiastic amateurs, or are you dealing with people um, who have got some knowledge already? Yeah, I think, you know, teaching the Asian spirit section of WSET Level 3 is a real thrill. Um, because it's very exciting productions, extremely different to what people are accustomed to usually. Um, and there are some assumptions that people have about Asian spirits that we can completely tear up in that classroom. 
and uh, existing articles and literature about Baijiu, though there are some brilliant books about Baijiu, I must say, um, there's this assumption that it's impossible to work with and far too challenging to enjoy. But the reality is, is that there's real diversity to that ca- category. And there is undoubtedly a Baijiu out there that you would really enjoy. And I think, as Anthony said, once you start explaining these aromas and where they've come from, your curiosity takes over and you can, you know, have a very thrilling time tasting these things um, and trying to understand them better. With Soshu, I, I expect many of you will agree, but it, it's been quite hard to get hold of really good quality Honkaku Soshu in the UK. So again, um, we are finding the best stuff that we can and showing it to students and they're having these revelations really. And uh, I, I hope that we'll start to see more and more great quality Honkaku Soshu in the UK. So we'll talk about Shochu in just a second and, th- and then Baijiu. But before we do that, um, Anthony, you mentioned uh, sake and uh, your work on uh, developing uh, that uh, course. And obviously, uh, sake is, I guess, is, is closer to wine in terms of alcohol and to an extent in style. But how um, how closely do uh, sake and shochu and baijiu sit? Great question. Uh, I, I, I'd say that uh, in the spirits world, uh, baijiu and shochu very, very different from each other, although there are some production traditions that they, they have in common, but stylistically they're, they're, they're wildly apart. Um, but with with sake and shochu, because they're, they're both made for quite a similar consumption scenario, you know, they're, they're made to be consumed with food the way uh, in, in Europe we would consume wine with food, they, they end up sort of being structured and, and, the, and the aromas do have some things in, in, in common. But the, the important difference, of course, is that whereas sake is a, a purely fermented beverage, so you would take rice, you would add um, enzymes from koji molds to convert the starch in the rice to sugar that can then be fermented in a, in a sort of a, a rather porridgey uh, environment. And then you kind of the fil- you filter the solids out and you get a clear liquid that's about 16% um, alcohol by volume. And, it, and, and, and then that's, that's it, it's, it's made. You, know, you might rest it or, or um, store it a little bit, but it's, it's basically made. With, with shochu, you've got that additional step of distilling, uh, which, and, and this is something that's quite unique uh, in the world of spirits that um, shochu is distilled just once in a single pot still. So you, you start with a liquid of about 16 to 20% alcohol by volume, you distill it once and it comes out of the still uh, at around sort of 35 to 40. And and then it's 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 usually then water, you know, water is then added uh, to bring it back down to around 25%, which is then the perfect sort of level to then mix with warm or cold water at the table for for, for service. But it's that distillation that's the the, the key difference. I, I, I would also love to talk about the distillation of, of, of Baiju because that's something also completely unique. It's, it, it, when I visited um, China to, to look at this, it's it's the only spirit or the only product I can think of where, you know, in a way, you can distill before you ferment. Um, so the grains for, for strong aroma baijiu go into a, an ancient style of still um, where steam is used to extract alcohol from the bits that have 
decayed to produce some alcohol while cooking the bits that the that, that are new to the process and the process is a, is a, a a rather exciting kind of circular process so what you know once it comes out of the still it then goes back into fermentation bits for, for another stage of fermentation um comes out and then returns to the still with with more grains added with that you end up with um a lot more intensity of flavor a lot more um kind of astringent powerful texture uh, and and stylistically i'd almost say that um baijiu and shochu are at opposite ends of a spectrum with kind of baijiu being kind of exciting fireworks and 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 shochu being sort of delicate and 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 and, and very well behaved uh, when you're pairing it with food <laughs> it's, it's certainly fascinating uh, that the processes you described there uh, and, uh, and and it's a lot more than I uh, I knew t- to be honest as well. I need to do one of your uh, one of your courses. Um, Hannah, the ingredients that go into shochu, first of all, um, it's it's a reasonably diverse list potentially, isn't it? Yeah. So um, Anthony and I both went out to Japan right uh, as the pandemic was unfolding. Actually, I think at the time we were watching the news with curiosity rather than any sense of was going to be unfolding but um so in japan they have this real sense of produce that is local and is celebrated for uh the terroir and um its quality and i think that that really shows in soshu production where um if you look around the south of japan where soshu comes from you'll find uh, a, a variety of raw materials be it sugarcane or sweet potato and I must add that tasting sweet potato um, in Japan it was just astonishing because what you can buy at your local fruit and veg shop is eclipsed by these really fantastic flavors that you get there very floral um, very fruity yeah astonishing things like barley as well yeah very delicious there's real diversity there and I think that's something that if you come to Soshi you might not expect um, that there are spirits made with things that are really quite different and when we consume spirits, uh, we don't always think that much about uh, what the base ingredient was. Uh, let's say if I'm drinking vodka, I'm not necessarily thinking, although I probably should, um, about whether this is a potato vodka or uh, um, uh, whether it's a, a, you know, a, a barley base or a wheat base, whatever. In the case of shochu, um, how, what difference is that making to the end product, Hannah? Oh, yeah, you can you can certainly get these flavours through. And um, it was a revelation discovering these sort of tropical floral notes uh, that I sure, I'm sure you'll be discussing later, actually, when you start talking about individual brands. But it was quite special to me to taste things like your barley soshus because my relationship to barley has become you know almost exclusively about whiskey and yet to taste it stripped away from wood was really something you know getting through these shortbread characteristics that um, are part and parcel of that grain yeah very much so so soshu can be very light very elegant in style and to come back to that point about um it being a, a spirit that you can enjoy with food i think that's a wonderful way to enjoy it and uh I've remarked comically, I suppose, that, you know, drinking something like a fermented grape juice on the side of your food, quite a weighty thing to go on top of your dinner. But so she's very light and very approachable. And 
these lower ABVs make it a wonderful thing to have with your with your food. There's this phrase, you know, what grows together goes together. And it's true that Soshi works fantastically with the cuisine of Japan. But whenever we pop a bottle open at home, it's, you know, very readily consumed because it's just so easy to drink. I definitely want to come to some food pairing suggestions later on from you, Ohana. Let's bring in Shuro, though, from uh, Japan. Um, so... Before we get to uh, your distillery and and your brands, um, just tell us, for those who have not been to uh, Japan, uh, tell us uh, how important shochu is uh, to the drinks culture in Japan. Uh, Shochu is Japan's oldest distilled alcohol beverage, also country's best-selling alcohol in Japan. And um, um, it has been always getting close to Japan people's life and their feeling from a long time ago. Um, actually, your question reminds me of my childhood days. So when I was um, 10 years old, my role in dinner time was to pour shochu in the grass for my grandfather. It's like, hi, Grandpa, here he is. And Grandpa said, shiki shuro. It was a communication between he and I. And shochu is good for people who care for their health because it's zero sugar and low calorie. So um, they continue to drink, um, even as get older. Also, it said that uh, it is hard, hard to get hungover, but of course, the same is true of alcohol beverage. So um, don't drink too much. So um, we can see that uh, shochu represents Japanese drink culture. Well, I put the uh, when I was in Japan, which I, uh, I I really enjoyed about five or six years ago. Um, I did uh, put uh, the uh, does it give you a hangover to the test, and I was uh, able to prove that um, unfortunately in excess, <laughs> uh, unsurprisingly, it does. But uh, I do I did really enjoy it, and it was it was something entirely new to me. Um, I tended to drink it um, neat. Um, do J- Japanese people tend to drink it neat or over ice or in cocktails? Uh, it depends on people's preference. So actually, um, I would say versatility is one of the unique point of Honkak Shochu. So Shochu is categorized in some kind of alcohol in Japan. So today, uh, when I say Shochu, it indicates Honkak Shochu. So the word of Honkaku can be translated as premium or authentic, and uh, it is produced in a single distribution, still, so to feel the characteristic aroma. So that's the point of Honkaku Shochu, and, and it's, it's various kinds of ingredients, so people can enjoy drinking with the aroma um, of ingredients of the products in many drink ways. So most of people, um, most of shochu is low alcohol content. The average percentage is 20 to 25. So how Japanese people enter drink shochu? So it would be straight, neat, on the rocks, um, mixed with hot water, cold water, and with soda, highball. So shochu recently used as a base of low alcohol cocktail in Japan and some Western Asia countries. And Anthony, um, obviously you are, uh, um, and Hannah as well, you're both judges of um, uh, this this category. Um, when you come to judging shochu, um, what are you looking for? What makes a really good shochu? For shochu judging, uh, I'm, there are things that I'd be looking for in general with, with spirits, uh, balance, uh, expression of uh, 
raw ingredients or, 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 or typicality, um, any evidence of, of complexity, um, yeah, succession of flavors on the palate, or yeah, um, some, 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 th some things that I would be looking for in general. Um, but specifically in, in the shoju category, uh, the things that most excite me are, are when you get a really, really precise expression of the aromas uh, from the raw ingredient. And, and that and that can vary quite widely depending on how it's distilled. So um, Hannah mentioned the extraordinary aromas that you get or can get um, from a sweet potato shochu. And when you're using vacuum stills, so the, the, the extraordinary stills that you have in Japan that are sort of stainless steel, really, really strong, and you can you can actually pull uh, less than atmospheric pressure inside. And it means that the liquid is boiling at a lower temperature, so you're doing less cooking um, of the ingredient let, let, and, and losing less aromas. That technique enables you to 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 really precisely extract these extraordinary um, sort of lemon and orange and rose uh, aromas uh, that are that are there in the um, raw material. That's that's really exciting. But at the other extreme, um, with some of the let's say with the, the barley shochus, if you're if you're using a, a normal temperature, normal pressure distillation, and and the way you're heating the still, there are ways of doing it that that um, slightly cook the the alcoholic uh, base that you're um, fermenting. What goes into the still has quite a lot of um, solid material, and if you're slightly cooking it, you can get these amazing uh, deep uh, cereal roasted aromas as well. So there's there's all sorts of things in terms of production and raw material that can be expressed in the final product. Um, I'm really excited when I when I see something expressive of that. And at the other sort of end of the scale, if if a shoju doesn't really speak very much of what it's made from, um, that's that's what wouldn't get such a, a high mark. But there's so, so many ways that shochu can be exciting. As a relative novice um, to, to shochu, although as I mentioned uh, to Shiro, I, I did enjoy uh, quite a bit of it when I was in Japan, but um, I, I was uh, just absolutely amazed on uh, on sampling uh, Shiro's new product, actually, that the, 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 the uh, extraordinary aromas, I must have spent about uh, two or three minutes just sort of sniffing it before I I even tasted it. Um, Hannah, I'll ask you the same question I asked Anthony. When you're judging a, a shochu, what do you look for? Like Anthony, I think, you know, there are certain things that you're looking for from a spirit and there to be a good texture, um, there to be some balance to the aromas, certainly. But like Anthony, I also get very excited when Soshu is quite expressive and you do get these aromas through of what it was made from and how it's made. And it can be quite a delicate spirit. So, you know, it's not the case that every Soshu will give you um, these exciting characteristics. But when that happens, yeah, it's something else. And Anthony, um, what's the difference, if there is a difference, between um, Soju that you see from Korea and Shochu from Japan? That's a great question. Uh, there is, um, there are some similarities, but I, I, I'd say at, at the bottom of it, um, in both countries, uh, the word can cover two types of products. There's, um, there are products that are effectively the local version of vodka, so they're they're made in 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 kind of on an industrial scale using multi-column uh, stills to create something that has very very little flavour. And it's very very cheap. Uh, and on the other hand, you have the products that we're talking about here that are um, expressive of the base material, distilled uh, in batch distillations on a relatively small scale, uh, using pot skill, uh, pot stills. Um, the huge difference is 
well, I'd say there's two actually. One one is that um, in Japan, the shochu category is split more or less half and half between those two types of thing, and 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 the 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 industrial that's a slightly rude word for it because it, it is well made but the the kind of the, the 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 cheaper product that's mostly for the local market and isn't exported you probably wouldn't encounter it so if you're buying shochu it will be the honkaku shochu or um, traditional awamori or something similar to that Korea is completely different in that um, the the pot still products account for less than 0.1 percent of production. Uh, so the chances are, if you're going to buy soju, it will be uh, th th this very, very um, large-scale, uh, big-volume brands. And 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 the diff the, the other big difference there is that um, the way those tend to be made is that the the alcohol is produced centrally by a, a national supplier of, of alcohol, and they and they will supply um, commodity ethanol to the the brand producers, who then add water and flavoring and and reduce the product down to around sort of 16 17 18 percent um and it's it's drunk more or less the it's drunk on enormous volumes uh, like 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 beer um uh, sometimes is the the majority of korean soju is um is is a, i suppose a kind of a functional um social alcohol rather than a, a fine product but i don't want to um but I, but i do want to draw attention to the fact that in, in korea there there is there is an old tradition. There are uh, there are producers of very very fine quality products um, made in pot stills, and there, there's an old tradition um, of andong soju uh, that is made um, following quite ancient methods. Um, that uh, really is quite an extraordinary product. It's just a tiny part of, of Korean soju. Okay, well, thank you. That's uh, cleared that up in, in my mind. I was uh, rather rather confused about that. Um, we're going to talk specifically about. Uh, Baiju uh, in a moment and then we're going to come back uh, to Shiro who's going to introduce us to something new. Uh, that's all still to come. But first, here's news of another Food FM programme you might love. Thank you, David. I'm Jenny Linford from Food FM and I'm exploring the world of cheese from brie to parmesan and everything in between. So after enjoying the drinking hour, why not listen to my series, A Slice of Cheese? You can find it on your podcast platform and foodfmradio.com. Now back to David and the drinking hour. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. It's time for the first of our trio of medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame, and our theme, of course, today is Asian Spirits. Let's start with a gold outstanding medal winner, 98 points no less, from... Mizuho Shuzo, Mizuho Island Spirits, made on the island of Okinawa using Thai rice and black koji. It's traditionally aged in clay pots and is usually drunk watered down. The judges said, elegant and precise with a wonderful array of complex notes, fragrant with melon, peach, yogurt, forest and mushroom aromas that follow into the palate. Flavours of mango, kiwi, zippy citrus join the fold and all work together to provide a bright, enjoyable example with masterful balance. That does sound like uh, some combination. Next, a baijiu from Beijing. Tang Yun Ju 20 baijiu from Baoyun Liquor won a gold medal with 95 points. Of this, the judges said, sesame savouriness leads the aroma profile which develops towards apple and caramel. 
The palate is surprisingly intense and brings ripe summer orchard fruits, evolving to tropical fruit aftertaste. The finish is short, but very smooth. More on Baijiu in just a moment, but to round off, a gold medal winning gin from Japan. Kinobi Edition K, Kyoto Dry Gin from Number One Drinks, the Kyoto Distillery. This is the only distillery to, in Kyoto to exclusively distill gin and includes botanicals such as yellow yuzu, Japanese cypress, uh, green tea, bamboo and Japanese pepper. Awarding their gold, the judges said, a herbal nose of sweet orange blossom and heather, while smoke is pronounced but not overpowering. A subtle touch of seaside salinity brings out the piney juniper before sweet vanilla emerges on the finish. A brilliantly executed and delicious balancing act. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. We have an Asian spirits special on the drinking hour uh, for you this week and we're going to talk a bit more about shochu later uh, but let's bring us uh, back to Baiju and Hannah we talked uh, Anthony briefly referenced the the production process but uh, for someone who is completely new to Baiju tell us what it is and 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 why we should be excited about it oh my goodness where to begin <laughs> it's quite complex to describe in a nutshell, I suppose, because the way that these, um, when you have grains that are being sacrificed, we, we need to get to sugar essentially to ferment and then distill alcohol. And in the West, this is developed in you know particular ways that might include things like germination or the use of enzymes. And actually, in Asia, a completely different approach was developed and. What makes Baijiu so exciting and at its most complex, completely bonkers in the flavours that are created, can be um, what we describe as parallel fermentation, where essentially the starches are being broken down into sugars at the same time as fermentation is taking place. And uh, it's the use of these sorts of... Um, I, I like to think of it a little bit as maybe like a sourdough starter, if you like, where you're creating a culture of enzymes and bacteria and yeast and essentially a representation of the microflora of that locale and you're using that to sort of help their sacrification along and help create alcohol and it can result in some wild flavor creation um, we talk about a process called esterification which is the development of these complex fruity characteristics and anything from oh i don't know vegemite to pencil lead to pineapple can all be present um but yeah to describe the production is quite tricky because you know china's huge and baijiu production spans many provinces and it's made a little differently in each but you'll see you know what we might describe as very squat traditional packed column stills essentially and it can be a continuous process and that some of these baijiu producers have been making baijiu where some part is being recycled back into the production and has been for you know 100 years more so wildly complex at its it, in particular styles but i should i should add that um you know there are a, a wide array of styles in in china so that's great uh anthony that must make it quite difficult to teach baijiu is extraordinarily difficult to uh to teach because there are all of these different variations uh, to talk about. It's 
with a typical spirits category, you can least you can you can relatively easily say, well, you know, here here's the here's the skeleton. Here are the things that all rums have in common, or all all whiskies have in common, and here's the general. Well, even more important than that, you can sort of start at the beginning of the production process and talk about the ingredients, the fermentation, the distillation, and then the aging one after another. Uh, but with with Baijiu, the enormous challenge is that there are there there are four kind of main categories that that, that dominate. That, are, that that differ quite enormously from each other in terms of the, the raw ingredients and, and, and each of those steps. And then there are a further eight um, sort of smaller specialist um, subcategories that all have their own unique production steps, whether it's um, mixing pig fat into the final product or aging in 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 rattan aging vessels that have uh, have been sealed with pig's blood or or or, or are just a kind of very very complex um, combinations of the um, the main four categories so it is it's it is quite hard to find a, a an easy route uh, through the production um but but what I would say is, if if you could get to grips, let's say with with strong aroma production uh, and and enjoy the style, that's that's a really good place to a, a kind of a gateway into the the, the wider world of of Baijiu. And uh, Hannah, does that make it very difficult to judge uh, Baijiu as well? Yeah, I actually, to be frank with you, I've swerved during the IWSE judging on Baijiu because I feel like um, it takes someone who is an expert in that particular field. And I appreciate Baijiu and I very much enjoy nosing it, but I will not profess to be an expert, I think, uh, I think I'll draw the line there. Um, but certainly what I enjoy in Baijiu is being surprised by these different aromas. And I'm seeking to find some balance, some intrigue, and for the texture, again, to be cohesive and for there to be, you know, nothing too sharp, nothing too coarse. That's what we're looking for, really. Yeah, it's a voyage of discovery for me, I, I have to say. Well, isn't that a wonderful thing, normally, anyway? Uh, Anthony, uh, do you judge Baijiu? This year, yes, for the for the first time, uh, I, I was fortunate to uh, that when I I went to China on my research trip, uh, I was able to spend some time with people who train workers in the industry to judge their own products in in China. So I I, I had about four days of of being able to ask questions and 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 actually my own ability to judge spirits uh, was assessed. I think on the very first day I, I sat down at a just after breakfast at a table laid out with with twelve different Baijo uh, and I was like asked my opinion on the first four and then discussed it and was politely corrected on, on what I thought was good and what wasn't so good. And uh, as I went through one after another, you know, flight after flight, I got a bit better at sort of identifying what, uh, what the Chinese producers were, were, were trying to achieve with their products. Uh, so I, that gives me a bit of a base. Um, it, we had an extraordinary time judging uh, the spirits and, and actually there was quite a lot of consensus as to what the great ones were with, with, with the judges, and it, and it is uh, the things that were really exciting were very expressive aromas that um, much of which came from the the, the complex uh, microbial populations that are involved in the ferment. The, these amazing uh, mouth filling textures, um, you know, re really extraordinary textures, and 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 depth of flavour that comes from age. Uh, and, and the aging is is not done in oak as is is traditional uh, outside of uh, of Asia, but um, is is generally done in ceramic ware, and and you get a completely different development of flavour and texture uh, when you're using uh, this this pottery. 
Um, so you've got this lovely, lovely depth, and like when 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 you encounter it, and when you know what you're looking for, it's it's easy to agree that you've got an amazing uh, spirit in front of you. Great, I uh, I'm feeling very inspired by this. I, I have to say, um, Hannah, you teased us with some potential food pairings earlier on, and I, I promised we'd come back to it. So bringing back shochu as well, uh, what are your kind of dynamic food pairing choices for shochu and uh, baijiu? Yeah, interesting. I think Japanese food will work fantastically well with sushi. It's light on its feet. It, it, it has an elegance to it, particularly if you're drinking it at these lower bottling strengths of 25, 30. I will have it just over ice um, with food. And I would hesitate to say that it goes only with Japanese cuisine or only with particular types of food, because actually it can be a fantastic contrast um, a counterpoint to certain foods, you know, where you've got something nice and refreshing and light um, to quench your palate after every bite, but also it will go well with delicate things. So I suppose with Soshu, I think there's something there to pair with everything, really. I, I really do love it with food. But I'd like to sort of also add that um, in terms of cocktail culture, I think that Soshu is really exciting because you can get um, flavour and texture that other spirits just don't offer you. And we're getting... Uh, a sort of surge of interest in lower alcohol cocktails. Um, people would like to enjoy the flavours without, you know, getting hammered. And so she can offer that too. You know, it is bottled at different strengths. You can get it at 40 as well. But these lighter soshis do offer something to this sort of trend of no and low. Um, and some wonderful aromas and flavours, depending on which style you're going for. Baijiu is um, a fantastic thing to have with food. And it can be uh, a real, <laughs> you know, it can really knock your, your spots off when you're trying these things. I think knowing that um, Baijiu, these strong aromas are often designed to be um, drunk with very spicy Szechuan cuisine. And it starts to make sense of these really profoundly, sometimes challenging flavours as well, but, you know, very intense aromas. Um, if you've ever had the pleasure of... There's some really great Szechuan restaurants in uh, uh, in London, actually. I don't know if you've ever been to places like Bashu in Soho. Mm -hmm. um, it's a real treat. You'll, you'll have these dishes that will be things like duck's tongues that are buried in a hill of dried chilies. And yeah, you can see how well Baijiu works in, in these applications, these strong flavours coming through and twinning very well against the spice and the heat where other things would be completely lost against them. And Anthony, uh, I know you've travelled um, extensively uh, in Asia uh, as well. Um, uh, we've had duck's tongues in a hill of uh, chilies. Um, anything to, to rival that? Any combinations that you could uh, sort of uh, advocate? Yes. Uh, well, just for a bit of context, I, I, I think um, quite often one of the reasons why people spend so much time talking about uh, food and beverage pairing in the context of wine is that wine can go so very wrong. Uh, you know, when you have high levels of umami in food and, and tannins in wine, they can interact quite badly or fish oils and, and things. And so um, what wine actually is a bit complicated to to, to, to pair, whereas Baijiu, um, well, it's certainly shochu uh, are relatively simple. There's not much in them, not not much in shochu at least that, that fights with food. But I would I would recommend a couple of kind of positive, slightly more specific um, recommendations. I found that um, the the more aromatic styles of shochu 
mixed down to 15% alcohol with cold water go beautifully with um, aromatic styles of curry like um, sort of Thai and, and Cambodian curry where you've got aromatic spices. The, the solvent effect of the alcohol just kind of picks out the uh, aromatic qualities. And the other thing that I found just really enjoyable is uh, it was a revelation the first time I tried shochu mixed with uh, warm water. So it's it's a, it's an alcoholic warm drink. And with comfort food like uh, risotto or burgers or that sort of thing, that can just be a mouthful of a very, very pleasurable combination of, of uh, food and beverage there. So I'd, I'd recommend with, with a lot of um, Western cuisine as well. Very versatile in pairing. On the, on the Baijiu front, I, I, I can't top the uh, combination of Sichuan uh, food and, and strong aroma Baijiu. And Anthony, uh, Hannah mentioned cocktail culture and uh, the importance of these drinks increasingly in those cocktails. Uh, that's something that uh, you're seeing reflected as well, is it? I, I'm seeing interest in that uh, growing. I, I'm not quite so. I'm not. I'm not as close to the the bar industry as Hannah is, but I, I suspect almost nobody uh, has the experience that that, that she has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but I'm certainly seeing that as a as a question um, in in the teaching. Uh, you know, how how would we use these products in in a cocktail? And you know, you could sort of go uh, a, a couple of routes. There's you know, you you can either have it as the starring ingredient in something that is a an existing build, like a a, a, a shochu based martini like um, cocktail that's a little bit lighter in alcohol uh, and, and benefits from the particular flavors that um, that shochu brings or especially strong aroma baijiu it needs it needs either to be used with great care as just a sort of an exciting thing in the background or it's the star of the cocktail and in which case it, it's it's a whole new dimension of flavors that you have there great well you've certainly uh, inspired me and i'm sure you've both inspired uh, everyone uh, listening thank you very much for sharing uh, your uh, expertise and uh, being so generous uh, with your your knowledge and uh, we're going to stick to the subject of shochu uh, with uh, Shuro now but I'm going to say thank you Anthony and thank you Hannah for joining us on the drinking hour. Thank you. Thanks thank for you, having me. Thank you. So let's come back specifically to shochu and Shuro um, tell us yes. about your distillery, uh, Hamada Shuzo, uh, where it is and what makes it special? Yes, our distillery, Hamada Shuzo, is located on the southern Japan, Kagoshima Prefecture. It takes about two hours from uh, Tokyo by airplane. Summer is hot, but uh, averagely, it's very warm temperature through the year. So actually, Hamada Shuzo was established in 1868. And now, so we have three production distilleries named Denbei Gura, Kinzan Gura, and Denzoin Gura in Japanese. Each facility represents a pillar of the company's short production character. Um, Denbei Gura represents tradition. And the distillery was the oldest in three facilities. Every short is handmade, and distillers keeps, keep in place the traditional taste, craftsmanship, and produce short with dedicated spit, salt. And the Kinzan ground represents heritage. Uh, it's sitting on a mountain and uh, uh, originated in gold mines. Very interesting. And I said Kinzan Gura is a distillery, but Japanese sake is uh, also made in the same place. So I use, it would be also brewery. And at last, I'd like to introduce Gras, which represents uh, innovation. And our main distillery, the facility, the cutting edge facility have been introduced at every step of the 
production process from fermentation to bottling and sipping. And uh, this tree is um, formulated under strict SC uh, 22,000 quality control, which is a、um, high qualified food management system. And then、uh, 40, so which is introduced today, is also produced in the distillery. And it's been sipping to the world, UK and other European and Asian countries. Also, the sipping to US will be planning to export from sometime next year. Okay, well, you mentioned that new product,、uh, Shiro,、uh, premium shochu、um, in the UK market.、Um, and we're going to focus on that in the final part of this special edition of the Drinking Hour. And that's coming up next. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Okay, let's have our next trio of IWSC medal winning spirits from Asia. And first up, the winner of a gold outstanding medal with 98 points, Ichiko Saiten from Sanwa Shuri. Product with a slightly higher ABV that was apparently created specifically for the cocktail market that we've been talking about. Of this, the judges said complex and characterful with warm chocolate and cereal aromas, beautifully lifted by hints of white grape on the nose, vibrant and expressive on the palate as fresh apricot, melon, and guava interlace with nutty, toasted, and luxuriously chocolatey undertones. All before reaching a deliciously nutty and marzipan rich finish. Sounds delicious. Next, another gold outstanding winner, this time a whiskey from Taiwan. Podium single malt whiskey from Cavalan Distillery, one of the most outstanding whiskey producers in Asia, backed by the King Car Group and focusing on making high quality Taiwanese whiskey. The judges said lifted oak notes on the nose with roasted coffee beans, honeysuckle, and rose aromas. The spicy, weighty palate opens with an array of forest fruits and is bright and full and ends with a dusting of sweet porridge and nutmeg, expertly balanced. Finally, a gold medal winning shochu, Tamashi no Imo shochu from Hombo Shuzo, one of Japan's oldest spirit producers, founded in 1872. A base of sweet potato combined with the punchiness of yellow koji gives this plenty of fruit flavour. Awarding their gold medal, the judges said, beautiful aromatics with potpourri, rosemary, and lemon zest coming to the fore. The palate delivers soft waves of fruit flavours driven by a key lychee note and supported by pretty floral hints, warming and well crafted. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. We're talking Asian spirits for this week's drinking hour, and let's round off with that something new because,、uh, as Shuro was mentioning just now, Hamada Shuro has just launched a new shochu,、uh, Diame 40, to complement its existing award winning Diame 25. So,、uh, Shuro, tell us about this new product and how it was developed. Yes, and the first product, Diame 25, was launched in 2018 to celebrate the company's 115th anniversary. The, actually, the concept is experience the distinctive aroma, so which is lychee like crude aroma shochu. So, them 25 keeps staying in top five at shochu sales ranking of Amazon Japan. And also,、um, 
it was awarded in two wine spirits competitions. One is an international wine and spirits competition, IWSC, in 2019. And it was a top prize in the social category. Another is International Spirit Challenge 2020. It was a, a double gold award. So thanks to the continent's award winnings, uh, the awareness of the brand name Dayame uh, has gradually increased amongst bartenders, sommeliers, and they added Dayame 25 in the drink menu in their bars and restaurants in Europe, US, and Asian countries. Then they make cocktails to serve their customers. And at the same time, so we had some requests from them. So their requests were that they want to make cocktails using much higher alcohol by volume of them for 25. That was the motivation we had started developing Diam 40. So um, Diam 40 is Diam 25 designed for global audience uh, with a richer aroma and the um, flavor profile. So it's very super, a super premium Japanese bridge. It's super premium Japanese bridge, uh, which is produced with uh, original production technique named the Kojuku method. So distilling to higher 40% alcohol by volume create an even more powerful bouquet of diamonds rich aroma. So it's very gorgeous and punch rich aroma, a firm structure and cream finish. So um, Dime 40 provides the perfect flavor profile for creative cocktail making. So it also offers endless full pairing possibilities. Um, it's paired particularly with, uh, with French cuisine, uh, Italian pasta and pizza, disease uh, seasoned with Mexican spices, um, barbecue and tempura. So oh, also in this season, uh, Christmas would be fantastic time to enjoy the pairing between Turkey and Diame. Also, uh, it would be nice for for gift. Well, Turkey and shochu would uh, surely be a yes. new one for uh, uh, lots of uh, people in the UK. I think that would. Uh, I'm always being asked what people should pair with their Christmas uh, lunch. I'm not sure I would have said shochu before, but um, that sounds like a great idea. Um, I've uh, been fortunate enough to taste it. Um, it has a very tropical lychee character which is unusual and, and rather different, but is there actually any lychee in there? Yeah, that's a good question. The lychee and the punch lychee aroma. I like, actually, I like the word lychee punch aroma. It's the strongest point of um, Dime 40. So when I ha we have started some tasting event in Japan, so most people were very, very surprised and uh, asked us the same question as you. They said, uh, "Is there in the lychee itself in the glass?" Um, but actually, so um, then forty so with the original production technique named the Kojuk method, uh, the aroma of the shochu dramatically changes in the maturing process of the production. And the sweet potato is fermented into mash and matured, and then distilled once at low temperature. Finally, uh, it is. Uh, chill filters to extract and further enhance the aroma from the raw ingredient. And koji plays an important role in the distillation process for Diamo 40. Um, for those who have not heard of koji, uh, just explain what that is. 
Yes, and koji is very important and essential um, for Japanese fermented food, such as soy sauce and miso from long time ago. So simply speaking, koji causes uh, fermentation. So it's kind of fungus uh, named koji king, uh, breeding on rice, wheat, uh, soybeans, and other cereals. The koji king job to convert the starch from the cereals in the form of glucose um, for fermentation. So similarly, um, koji plays an important role in making shochu. It's absolutely vital for producing the flavor and deep sweetness of shochu. Now, there are mainly uh, three kinds of koji, black koji, uh, white koji, and yellow koji. So it depends on the koji, shochu brings different unique flavor and taste. So actually, black koji is used for dime 40 to enhance the light flavor. Uh, the koji contains some um, components uh, to bring out the characteristic flavor for sweet potato shochu. And I know you're aiming to target a, a new, younger audience for uh, Diame 40, but actually the name Diame has a lot of um, heritage uh, to it. Uh, just explain what the name means. Yeah, Diame um, is a word in Kagoshima dialect for and if we enjoying that relaxes on you after long days. Uh, it refers to a traditional habit in which you enjoy even drink. So probably and other listeners may not have heard of the word, um, but all of you have a connection with your family, cousin, friend, and colleague, and yourself in the life, and uh, have some opportunity to spend the time doing it together. So we said that the usual thing, but sometimes extremely memorable situation are uh, called Dayame in our local culture. So um, the custom is very heartwarming and essential habit to give thanks for all the all people around you and what a day, uh, what a day uh, has ended safely. So um, we believe that um, Dayame refresh yourself for the coming day. Great. Well, it's a striking looking product and it uh, tastes great as, as well. Um, Shiro, thank you very much for talking to us and explaining uh, so much about um, shochu culture and also talking about uh, uh, Diamo 40 as well. Uh, and thanks so much for doing it in English for us uh, too. We, we greatly appreciate that. Thanks for joining us on The Drinking Hour. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure. To, and I enjoyed a lot. Great. Um, I, I, feel, I feel happy uh, to explain about the Hongkak Shochu. Thank you. Thank you. Shuro, talking to us from Japan. Thank you very much indeed. And my thanks to my guests, Anthony Moss, DIP WSETMW, Qualifications Director at the WSET and Hannah Lanfear, spirits educator and founder of The Mixing Class. That's it for this special edition of The Drinking Hour. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, took away some new knowledge and inspiration perhaps as well. And you can follow us if you'd like to, Food FM Radio on Insta and Twitter. And I'm Mr Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're listening on iTunes and you get a chance to rate us, if you can give us a nice rating, that would be really lovely. Helps us move up the uh, rankings. Um, thank you very much. Until next week, goodbye. The Drinking Hour on Food FM.